welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Welcome to On the Record. My guests this week are senior editors Powell Slaughter and Tom Russell, who have been busily canvassing the industry to find out about the tariff situation. This week we're going to talk a little bit about tariffs. It seems like that's all anybody wants to uh, talk about. Everybody is concerned about uh, how much they will have to to deal with that. I know retailers are concerned how much of that manufacturers are going to pass along if they do. A couple of quick things. There seems to be some confusion, and I think you guys probably can weigh in on this also, but there seems to be some confusion over how the tariffs actually get implemented and when they take effect. So goods that are on the water um, are not currently impacted. It's only goods that have been ordered as of May 10th. Is that both of your understanding as well? I think we've uh, all looked at the documentation. Yeah, we're here. Um, I'm hearing that too. Um, So, Powell, you were talking to some of the upholstery folks. Um, Mm -hmm. There's obviously still a pretty hefty domestic upholstery business, um, but there still seem to be much more than um, case goods. Obviously, the the Mm -hmm. bedroom, Tom, the bedroom furniture moved there uh, out of China largely in in earlier in the 2000, but uh, 2004. For those of you listening, we looked this up. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. It was 2004, and then the the orders were uh, implemented in 2005. Um, But, Pal, what are you hearing from the upholstery folks uh, about how they're going to deal with the tariff? Well, um, there's been kind of some similar activity in the past, um, especially six to eight months since this um, since this whole threat of tariffs came up. Um, you have a, a number of companies, like in Case Goods, uh, you know, some years ago, um, relocating upholstery operations to Vietnam. Um, you know, Manwa purchased um, one of the largest upholstery facilities there when it um, when it got Timberland. Um, it, we just talked with um, Aria Designs, who just last Sunday, um, or the Sunday before, I can't remember which, sorry, they finalized a joint venture agreement between their Chinese upholstery producer and the plant that they had been working with in Vietnam. Um, the owner of their Chinese factory is moving to Vietnam along with a slew of um, other Chinese manufacturing, um, you know, kind of operations managers and QC people. Um, and they're already in production there. Um, they've, um, I think they've got, you know, like 5,000 employees they're looking at um, working with there. And um, production is, is flowing from there. Samson Holdings also recently made an announcement, didn't they, with regard to Vietnam and opening plants in Vietnam? Yes, they're, they're um, you know, there's, it's 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 a little bit tighter situation right now, mm-hmm. um, though, because you know so many people have been going to Vietnam um, for wood, and now there's been a big influx, and it's I think it's going to be kind of hard on the people who you know haven't gotten something in place or who you know who aren't established there. You know there, you know the country of course has um, a infrastructure, a service and transportation infrastructure that's just way beyond, way behind China. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's, you know, we're hearing of some um, increases on labor, um, rising real estate prices in case people want to invest in new plants. And, you know, it kind of price follows demand. So I wouldn't be surprised if 
you know, there's still going to be value there, but um, the price differential isn't going to be as great in a couple of years as it, you know, as it might have been. Tom, what are you hearing from some of the case guys? I mean, as we said earlier, a lot of those have, um, a lot of the case goods companies have been there since 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. um, so what are you hearing as you, you talk to people on that? You know, it's funny, when um, back at that point in time, um, the trade relations were starting to normalize with Vietnam. There had been uh, agreements in place to kind of open up the doors to trade. So that created an opportunity, particularly during the um, anti-dumping issue back at that time, for wood bedroom furniture resources to shift almost immediately to to Vietnam from China. Now it didn't occur overnight, of course. That's a that's a good point, and I think it's worth looking at that. I mean, you were both mm -hmm. here at that time, and you covered mm -hmm. that business then. Mm -hmm. What was the ramp up? Because if you're thinking about, it, it's one thing to say we bought a factory or we have yeah. land or whatever, but there's a, a time that it takes to open a factory, to train workers, to get the lines in place. Do you mm -hmm. remember back in that time what the like what the ramp up was? How long did it take before companies were actually able to deliver at full speed? Well, I mean, it, it took in some cases a few years. I mean, some companies were kind of in process when the, the duties were first announced, so they were kind of making this transition or, or just ready to make it. So there were some that got there a lot quicker than others, but I think it depended too on who they were sourcing from as we we mm -hmm. both went to Vietnam at that time mm -hmm. and visited yeah, number you know four yeah, yeah in June of 04 and, and visited or July of 04 and visited mm -hmm. a number of the uh, Taiwanese factories mm -hmm. that for them setting up operations was kind of a no-brainer because they just basically transitioned what they were doing from China directly to you may weigh, mm -hmm. weigh in yeah. in this too uh, I think um, you know, there was obviously kind of a learning curve there, you know, getting people trained, but the ramp up was really dramatic and really rapid. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking, uh, I think in the early 2000s, there was like a couple of hundred million maybe. I'd have to go back and look at the exact Oh yeah, in terms numbers. of shipments. But each year it was growing by, you know, high double digit percentages yeah. um, each year of shipments yeah. so it, 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 it was fast and I think one yeah. of the reasons is they got a lot of experienced management on the ground um, the finishing companies um, established operations in Vietnam and that was always that was always a real key in case mm -hmm. goods I know getting those finish looks right mm -hmm. and um, you know so it, it it ramped up a lot quicker than I thought. thought well, it's yeah. funny though, even when you say ramped up quick, you're still yeah. talking about a couple of years, yeah. right? It's not yeah. like you flip a switch. No, right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and sure. I mean, because in some cases, we're talking about now, yeah. um, people were placing orders to move things to Vietnam in October, and uh -huh. now here we are. And uh, in the story that comes out Monday, we mm -hmm. had a retailer say, and I won't mention any names of the specific companies, but. <clears throat> That they placed orders out of Vietnam in October, and they're still waiting for those goods. Yeah. And here we are yes. in May. So, good point. There's also a real different situation here than there was 15 years ago with the wood bedroom furniture. This, you know, this tariff affects everybody. Everybody, you know, yeah, it, 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 across you know, many industries, yeah, many, yeah. yeah. Everybody and their brother is looking 
to go to Vietnam or somewhere else. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's big competition, you know, not just for furniture, but just, you know, among all these other sectors. And I think what we're going to hear, too, to your point, Bill, the, the lead times are just going to, they're, they're not going to be what retailers are used mm -hmm. to. So unless companies are able to bring a lot of product in quickly and inventory it domestically, there's going to be delays in lead times due to the issues that we've been discussing here, the labor, labor, competition for labor, um, and, and just ramping up production in some, perhaps some new categories like occasional um, or, or dining. And they're doing some of that in Vietnam, but certainly on the upholstery mm -hmm. side, it's, it's new territory, I think. Yeah. Also, um, I think a lot of companies, you mentioned stateside warehousing, mm -hmm. a lot of people have been spending the last six months just packing their warehouses. True. Um, you know, just getting stuff in as fast as they could, as much as they could. So, um, you know, the, a number of companies are going to be able to hold fairly steady on, you know, if, you know on, on their pricing um, as long as those those supplies, uh, you know, maintain. People are, you know, they're doing their own warehousing. They're contracting out. Uh, you know, some of them are working with the logistics companies, you know, to warehouse product at their at those companies' distribution centers. And um, you know, that's that's all been part. I think a lot of the reason that got started was so a lot of so people could maybe service online, you know, the online business, which is you know, mm -hmm. quick delivery, but um, it's, you know, it's coming in at play here. It's, um, you, they've been used to, um, you know, kind of working on this model. And I think the companies that did that, they, you know, they're gonna have a little bit of an advantage right now. Well, I think too, we're also talking about huge volume shifts, right? I mean, yeah. China is over $13 billion yeah. a yeah. year in Vietnam. As Tom, you did the import-export figures, what, about three and a half? Yeah, something like that. Between that, somewhere yeah, between yeah. three yeah. and four billion? Yeah. <clears throat> and you're you're right. The you know the the ramp up in Vietnam it did take a couple of years. It was fast, but that was kind of one category. True. And you know we're looking at you know all sorts of you know different furniture being made. Also, you know furniture that they don't have as much experience with, mm -hmm. especially if it's going to be maybe a homegrown Vietnamese manufacturer. Yeah. So. You know, boots on the ground is going to be a big requirement. You know, there are going to be some people racking up frequent flyer miles like <laughs> crazy over the next year or so. Well, you know, we're focusing so much attention on Vietnam. I mean, I yeah. think this certainly opens up opportunities. Um, I know, Tom, you've been talking about Brazil recently, and they've yeah. been making a concerted effort. Powell, you were yes. in Poland earlier mm -hmm. this year, and the Polish government seems to be really making an effort to subsidize and support the growth of its furniture industry. It, um, it, it, in terms of <laughs> exhibition, maybe, and they're still working on that. Um, mm -hmm. They don't have the type of manufacturing subsidies that you would see in some other countries. Right, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I, I probably yeah. shouldn't use the term subsidizer yeah. <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are trying to help support the exports sure. of Polish furniture. Mm -hmm. um, Malaysia also, yeah. and mm -hmm. India, we've seen a number of companies. Indonesia. Indonesia. Yes, um, and, and again, India seems to be the next one that people seem to be taking a look mm -hmm. at. Um, it is. I think, you know. didn't Todd Wanick mention something when you spoke to him yeah, about India? Um, yeah, he was talking about, you know, I was, we were talking about categories, and 
Um, he was telling me that Ashley, you know, gets a very small percentage of their product from China now. They've been for 10 years, you know, going to Vietnam, going to Indonesia, Thailand, these different countries, and India. Um, uh, some of the stuff they get out of China right now is like metal, uh, well, a lot of lighting and smaller accessories, but also like metal tables and, you know, that's, that's something where China's just huge still. Um, he said that India has a pretty promising metal industry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, when I talk with people who've done a lot of business in India, they, they say it's almost more, you know, it's not only a learning curve for the Indian industry, it's also a learning curve on how to deal with it. Mm. You know, the, the, you know, some people have had some real service issues in terms of lead times and things like that. And India also, you know, they're kind of, I guess the type of product you see a lot of, you know, rustic solid wood, live edge type things. Yeah, industrial um, almost. Yeah, and with the metal. You know, they're yeah. they're gonna have to, you know, to be a real full resource, they're gonna have to kind of broaden their their style abilities. I think. Yeah, they are. But it, it's a matter of training, and again, getting people there who, you know, who can who can transfer the skills to those people. That's true, and, and I think it, it's really a matter of um, basically selecting the right partner, the right sourcing partners, and, and finding plants that can um, maybe bring some of the looks that are beyond those looks that Powell just described, the rustic, um, heavy emphasis on metal bases and things of that nature to more of the sort of contemporary transitional aesthetic that we keep hearing is so popular in the market, particularly among millennials. And we've seen some um, companies that are doing a good job from India. Heckman is one in particular, both in collection, their collection business, um, and their uh, accent and occasional business. Really strong looks that you might not expect from India, but, but they are. So, um, and, and so people will have to really find on their own volition the, the right, and word obviously gets around in the industry. Well, let's um, not forget too, there's a whole slew of domestic manufacturers sure. yeah, yeah. Um, that, that have capacity in place, and certainly there's no f closer place mm -hmm. to the U.S. market than right no, here. Yeah. So there's, there's certainly, I would think, a speed to market advantage. But I mean, for the last couple of years, all we've been talking about for some of the domestic guys is how challenged they are to find that next generation of workers, mm -hmm. right? And, True. And so how much capacity can you expand? I, I'd be curious um, to start to get a, a take from them. Maybe every, there's our next round of stories. Yeah, every, yeah, yeah everybody I talk to who manufactures here, that's that's basically their number one issue is, you know, getting good labor. Um, it's you know we heard heard it a lot in the logistics side, but also um, on the manufacturing side. And you know, a lot of the younger people, maybe their parents or uncle or whoever worked in a you know worked in a furniture plant in in um, in Hickory. And they saw them lose their jobs, and you know I think there's still a little bit of a security issue for people looking down the road. Um, one of the um, you are seeing more programs, um, you know, companies getting involved in helping to fund and set up programs at community colleges, mm -hmm. um, you know, for training, um, and you know, kind of getting people out in plants and showing them how it's done. Um, 
I was just at, a, at the opening of one um, at Caldwell Community College, mm -hmm. right? It was supported by uh, Bernhardt, Fair, Fairfield Chair, mm -hmm. um, McCreary Modern, and Lectra, all uh -huh. are kind of founding sponsors of that program. And then there's also Catawba Valley, right? Mm -hmm. They've got a, um, a furniture program there, too. Yeah. So there, you know, there seems to be an effort, but again, we get back into yeah. that the speed of ramping up, right? Yeah. Training a generation of workers is a, is a longer term process than solving a short term tariff issue. And yeah. you know, again, with the domestic producers, there, you know, it's not like they aren't going to feel a little bit of a bite here with the, the tariffs. A lot of some, you know, anyway, yeah. the ones who are sourcing cut and sew kits um, from China the ones who are sourcing textiles from China. Um, by the way, uh, I think we noted that this new round of proposed, President Trump's instructed Lighthizer to start the process on implementing tariffs on all Chinese goods. Well, chenille fabrics were not included in that round that came out last summer. They, you know, if it goes to every, all the goods, chenilles are gonna be in. And there's a lot of chenille out there right now. Wasn't that an interesting yeah. thing? I mean, yeah. that does kind of raise an interesting mm -hmm. issue, and we've talked about that internally between ourselves, and now we can let the audience in on our, mm -hmm. um, in our internal discussions. But we've talked about the impact of <clears throat> on product design, right? On if the cost mm -hmm. of goods goes up, and mm -hmm. if, for example, if it's more expensive mm -hmm. to get metal out of China, does, do you look for another resource? Mm -hmm. You talked about we saw a lot of chenille at High Point Market. Mm -hmm. Tom, I think you were saying you were at the Mexican show and, and you saw a lot of um, indigenous stone, mm -hmm. right? It was yes. onyx and other kinds right. of things. Now, mm -hmm. I, I don't know to what extent that's impacted by tariff issues or whether that's just using local materials, but it certainly raises the issue of what's the impact on product design well, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, some of that stone, you know, we did see some of that material. It is indigenous to countries like Mexico, onyx, and all sorts of different slates and that sort of thing. And when I went to um, to visit Hickory White and Cheryl last week, we went into their kind of design, what they call the war room, um, and looked at the finished panels, some of the drawings, and here was a, a, a big portion of the table devoted to these materials, metals, stones, um, you name it, all out of Mexico. And I thought that was really interesting because these are mm -hmm. looks and materials that you would typically see on the, or you, you will see on the high end as well as maybe some of the middle and upper middle because we've seen the companies that are producing in Mexico are using them at kind of more mid-price points like a Horizon Home is a good example. Um, and, and International Furniture Direct is another good one out of Mexico. So, um, and, and again, that sourcing out of Mexico and Brazil is something that people might want to consider in this hemisphere, because it's right in this hemisphere. And the speed market will be a lot um, better because of the of the proximity to the U.S. consumer, both the U.S. and Canadian consumers. It's funny because at that Guadalajara show, there were Canadian retailers there too, the brick folks like that coming down, um, seeing some of the benefits. What the, what the styles will look like, I think, will be kind of interesting because um, each of these countries sort of has some of their own unique abilities um, and, and looks, with, with Mexico kind of being maybe a little more like India and the rustic 
you know, tie in with metals and so forth, things that they're good at. Um, but there were some other there were some other manufacturers down at that show that had, had very uh, sophisticated uh, looking bedrooms, contemporary, traditional the the the, the, the works. So yeah. well, um, when you think of two of the more popular looks over the last couple of years, I think of glam. Yes, and and I think of you know mixed media, kind of that industrial um, that industrial look, right, mm -hmm. with the heavy wrought iron or, or that. Um, yeah. And I'm curious if if we see those two looks kind of moderate a little in the marketplace or if they change or whether people will be able to go find those materials cost effectively yeah. elsewhere. I, I'm curious to see the impact and I don't think we'll, we'll probably know um, well, at least until October. I don't expect to see anything yeah. in Las Vegas in July that, that would be impacted by this yet. But yeah. I think by October there might be a, a real story there in terms of um, style changes impacted by oh, the cost sure. of, of materials. Because a lot yeah. of the, the glam looks that you referenced are really specialties in China. They're the um, use of uh, both stainless steel, um, mirrored glass, um, things of that nature that people tell us they just can't really get it other places right at this point in time or at least in the volume that China affords. Um, um, one of the things, you know, we, we're we're talking about everybody leaving China, but you know there still remains the issue of capacity. There, you know, there are companies that have been that are pretty well positioned in other countries, um, but right now, you know, what is it, thirteen billion? Mm -hmm. You know, that's just, you know, it just can't be replaced. And um, some of the people I talk with believe that. Um, the Chinese government, some of the, especially for some of these larger concerns and manufacturing concerns in China, are going to be given, you know, maybe given some help. Um, also, um, some of the Chinese companies um, might be, like we've been talking about here, sort of re-engineering some of their product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking for different ways where they can take a little bit of cost out of the equation, and. Um, you know, there's always that currency issue. You know, we never, you know, well, no. I mean, we did see that in yeah. October when the 10% tariffs were uh, first imposed. Uh -huh. uh, China's currency did decline somewhat. I mean, yeah. I, I'm yeah. not making any accusations of currency manipulation. That's yeah. far beyond my my um, expertise. But coincidentally, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. through whatever forces, there did seem to be some minimization of the tariff impact mm -hmm. through currency. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you take a couple points here and a couple points there and you start to get closer. And then we were talking mm -hmm. about, you know, Vietnam because of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. if, does that go a little higher? Mm -hmm. Does that difference, you know, even with the 25% tariff added, does that number mm -hmm. come down a little bit to be more manageable? I think it does and get closer for and sure. And another thing, on the, especially on the fabric, for a fabric side, um, the one of our um, one of our contributors this week was talking about how the price of textiles, you know, for upholstery that actually kind of deflated, you know, like well, furniture in general is, yeah. you know, it's seen price deflation, and that this is going to kind of get this will probably bring fabrics back up to where they were, you know, some years ago, you know, how that. It's all a question of who's going to absorb it, you know, because a lot of retail retailers are very loath to increase prices, but 
On the other hand, how often do you buy a dining room table? Well, you know, it, you know, is it going to be that noticeable? Consumers for, yeah. really won't notice. I mean, they'll notice. They're they're gonna what they're gonna focus on is what's within their budget. They're gonna go shopping for furniture, whether it's a sofa or dining table, bed, and they're gonna have kind of a vision in their mind. Okay, what is within my budget? How high can I go? And I think retailers will be surprised to maybe learn that there's perhaps some appetite to maybe spend a little more on something that's of good quality and, and to their liking because, look, the expectation is out there. People are already spending a lot more, way, way more on vehicles, cars. You look at all the new cars on, on the road. On a cell phone. Yes, cell right? phone. I mean, I can get a cell phone for this. For more, yeah. It costs more for a cell phone than it does for a suited bedroom furniture. <laughs> People may spend more at a dinner, you know, than they would like mm -hmm. on a on a on a chair or uh, or whatever. Where are uh, you eating? My God, I'm not buying I, some cheap no, chairs. No, no, I just I just spent like a thousand dollars for a new phone, and you know, he's he's certainly, you know, he, you know, he's, you know, working and making a living, but. He ain't rich by any means. Mm -hmm. I'd be real, you know. Would, would people? Would he spend a thousand dollars on a sofa? Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. I, I think that comes back to the issue that that really concerns the furniture industry. Yeah. And Jerry Epperson referenced it mm -hmm. um, in a couple of columns. We are a deferrable purchase for a lot of consumers. Sure, sure. Um, and and Mike Cohen from Walker's Furniture mentioned this to to Clint in the interview he did for for the story. Um, is your current dinette set good enough? that, well, you know, we'll wait a little longer. And I, and I think that's the concern for the furniture industry. I mean, this has not been a great first quarter for the industry. Yeah. It's been, things have been a little slow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this retail has been soft, traffic has been off. And so, you know, you add to that the issue of the tariff. And um, Jerry Epperson had a, uh, send us a, a follow-up column today because he saw a report on, uh, I guess it was NBC News or CNBC, yeah where they were suggesting to consumers that you rush out and buy before the tariff or you <laughs> wait until it goes away. Now, okay, so now you have, you know, the news media. Um, oh boy. <laughs> we'll wait. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, if you're telling consumers yeah. to, to defer an already yeah. deferrable purchase, you know, what's the option? And, and mm -hmm. the consumer doesn't know whether that bedroom suit comes yeah. from China or it came from Vietnam. Do they presume? And I, mm -hmm. and I think that's an issue, too. Do they presume mm -hmm. because they see 25% tariff? Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, I don't think anybody's going to see a 25% increase in the price of furniture. Yeah. I, I fully expect that the manufacturer will eat some of that. Yeah. They will ask their suppliers to eat some of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we've, we've heard, saw retailers in, uh, in our story mm -hmm. this week talked about with the 10%. Most manufacturers ate three to five and the retailer had to eat a couple points. And so the consumer really didn't see much right. change even though was a, there was a 10% mm -hmm. tariff. Yeah. Even with a 25% tariff, I, I sincerely doubt, and I mean, correct me if you think differently, that anybody's gonna see a 25% increase in the cost of a sofa on a retail floor. You know, no, I, mean, I don't think no. so. No, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe you see 10% mm -hmm. at, at most. And so if it's a, uh, you know, if it's a 9.99 sofa, does it go to, yeah. you know, 10.99? Yeah. yeah, You know, we're talking about $100 on a $700 yeah. sofa. I'm going to be real interested to see what happens with, um, you know, ordering patterns. Um, I think the 10% um, was imposed pretty soon before October market. You know, it was. It was, yeah, it was yeah. like right before October market. 
and that really, you know, is kind of a non-market for some people. Um, they, um, you know, just in you know conversations, you know, between me and the fence post and this person, you know, they they don't want to go on the record, but you know, a lot of retailers were just saying, well, that looks great, but let's wait and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got a Las Vegas market coming up, but we do have some time before High Point. You know, who knows what's going to be happening? Mm -hmm. We can't, you know, we can't just. You know, I think there was an attitude for a while that ah, looks like things are settling out. You know, this isn't really going to happen. Then the Chinese kind of pull back on some of their commitments, and mm. boom, here we are with twenty-five percent. Yeah. Um, you know, you, that's what we have now, though. I well, mean, and all of that was really within a seven-day period, yeah. right? I mean, sure, sure. on on the Saturday before President Trump tweeted out about the increase. Yeah. I mean, most reports were that the, the discussions, the trade talks were yeah. going well. I think there was a perception in the yeah. media, in the government, and among consumers, things are going well. Then all of a sudden, mm. you know, things took a step back. You have the tweet on Sunday, and yeah. five days later, it's official yeah. 25%. Yeah, I, th I think some people are hoping that, you know, that shipment that left, left Shanghai yesterday, by the time it gets to um, Long Beach, it's going to, maybe it'll be over. But again, you just you can't count on that. No, you can't. Well, yeah. I think that's a difference between October and now, yeah. is in October, there really was a sense that, look, we're going to just wait, right? And everybody went into a yeah. holding pattern. I think the imposition of the 10% tariffs, even with the 25 kind of going away, I think people felt like we're going to have to deal with tariffs and we can't just sit. So this time, I don't... I, I don't know, in anyone I've talked to, mm -hmm. I don't hear anyone saying, well, we're just going to sit and do nothing. Mm -hmm. Have you heard anybody no, say no, that? No, no. It will be, and, the, and I got I got to hand it to a lot of the people on the vendor side. They've been, they they haven't sat on their hands and just assumed everything was going to be fine. They've been building up inventory. They've been um, looking at products, how they're put together. You know, where can we save some? Where where can we get some savings? Um, the you know, I think there, you know, we've heard there's been a lot of optimism, but I think under the table, people have been saying, if this hits, we got to be ready. Yes. Yeah, I don't get a sense that anybody's just hoping. They may be hoping yeah. for the best, but yeah. they're preparing for right. the reality yeah. of possibly having, sure. having to deal with that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, longer term, I, uh, and I said this actually in my column this week, I, I mean, longer term, right, it resolves itself one way or another. The 25% stays, mm -hmm. sourcing adjusts, people adjust their pricing, mm -hmm. and the market reestablishes some equilibrium. And if some people don't make it, well, you reestablish equilibrium with, with who's mm -hmm. left. Um, in the near term, I think, is really where people are going to have to scramble a little bit. Right. Because you're going to have to deal with mm -hmm. price increases in the short term and what does that mean for the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I mean, certainly it's an interesting story. I'm curious if anybody chooses to lean in. For example, if I'm a retailer, like Jim McInvale has mm -hmm. made a real effort in Houston to become very much um, an American-made resource. Yeah. Yes. Right? Does, does, is this an opportunity for somebody to really lean in and say, we're American-made, we support America, we have American-made goods. And it, they aren't tariffed. And they're not tariffed. <laughs> That's if, right, you, yeah. if you have Vietnamese or Mexican or mm -hmm. Malaysian goods, mm -hmm. is there an opportunity for a retailer to say, 
here's our tariff-free collection. Mm -hmm. So that regardless sure. of what the price is, do you help create a perception in the consumer's mind that these are not impacted by that? So you yes. presume as a consumer that they're lower priced. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder what the opportunity, and I'm, I'm yeah. really curious to see if anybody in the industry chooses to lean in that way mm -hmm. uh, and try to, to capitalize and, and create an opportunity. Well, I think they will, but I, I think too, people will continue, consumers will, will continue to shop across mm -hmm. uh, different um, categories mm -hmm. or, or product types and they'll they'll see what's again what's within their budget mm -hmm. and, and they may like the idea of buying an American made but there may be something on the floor that's from China that even at the the 25 percent may not be 25 percent mm -hmm. difference that still is more attractive from a price standpoint that they may gravitate to so I think they're they'll There'll be that dynamic, but consumers are going to vote with their with their pocketbooks still. I, uh, I was going to say on, on those lines. I think a lot of the domestic producers are going to take a. They're looking at this situation, and I think you're going to see a big ramp up of um, efforts on their part to provide um, better point of sale materials. Mm -hmm. Really, kind of telling that story yeah. at retail, and you know, giving their retailers a you know another reason to kind of you know, support their, you know, showing their goods on the floor. Um, I, there might be some, I remember there were some pretty creative, I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> approaches to that on the vendor side back during the um, wood bedroom yes. dumping. But um, I think you'll, uh, I'd be interested to see at October market if this situation holds, what kind of, um, what kind of um, dealer programs? I, you know, I think if I had a furniture store, I might go out and invest in a sign that said tariff-free pricing. Okay, yeah. Just put it up on the front door and mm -hmm. see what happens. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, honestly, I am obviously not in the furniture business, but I've been covering consumer mm -hmm. products for years. Mm -hmm. I think there's a consumer psychology to be because um, that uh, play yeah. here. You know, True. again, back in the wood bedroom, that 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 was focused on one part of a single industry. And now they're reading about it all over the place. So it's definitely on, you know, on their, you know, it's it's on their radar screen this time. It's pretty hard to miss yeah. some discussion yeah. of tariffs if you're yes. a consumer. You'd have to be under a rock. Yeah. That's right. So okay. All right, well guys, I guess we're gonna continue to talk about this for some time to come and yes. uh, we'll oh, continue yeah. to follow <laughs> up. And, we will. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, Please reach out to Tom Russell, Power Slaughter, or myself, or our retail editor, Clint Engel. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, the tariffs. And if you are not impacted, if you have a company that is not impacted by the tariffs and you'd like to let the world know that, <clears throat> please reach out to us. Um, we're going to try to put together resources for folks to help them navigate their way through this. And so we certainly could use your help and, uh, and your knowledge and information. So please reach out to us here at Furniture Today. All right. Till See you next market. Yes, <laughs> thank you.